Joshua chapter 23. Joshua 23, if you'll uh, turn there. And I'm going to just bring a brief meditation on continuing faithfulness. Continuing faithfulness. I want to read the text, pray, and then uh, point out just four simple truths. Nothing uh, that you've never heard before, but we need these regular daily reminders. So reading from God's word, Joshua 23, in the opening verses, verses one through five, um, we see repeatedly how the Lord showed his faithfulness to his people. I will not read all five verses, but for example, in verse one, uh, this came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest unto Israel. Joshua, it says, has waxed old and is stricken in age. I do not know what it means to wax old and be stricken in age, but he must have been up there quite a bit. Uh, we know he was very elderly. On our trip to Liberia, uh, we spent a considerable amount of time with a pastor. Um, he was about uh, 60, I believe. He visits his mother, who is 101 every single week. Uh, and uh, he said that his grandfather lived to be 125. Uh, so I think that qualifies for waxing uh, old and, and being stricken. Joshua is advanced in years. It says in verse 2 that they had seen all that the Lord your God hath done and how he fought for you. Notice the emphasis on the Lord's faithfulness. Verse 5. And the Lord your God, he shall expel them before you and drive them from out of your sight. And ye shall possess their land as the Lord your God has promised you. So we see God's faithfulness. We see that all of the book of Joshua is not about Joshua and the people of Israel uh, fighting the, these battles, although indeed they did. But it was actually the Lord who fought for them. Uh, the old gospel song, uh, the spiritual, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. It's a great song and a great tune, but a little bit theologically incorrect because uh, God was the one who fought the battle of Jericho, as we all know. But that brings us to the meditation today, verse six. Be ye therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that you turn not aside therefrom to the right hand or to the left, that you come not among these nations, these that remain among you, neither make mention of the names of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them. But cleave unto the Lord your God as you have done unto this day. For the Lord hath driven out from before you great nations and strong, but as for you, no man hath been able to stand before you unto this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand for the Lord your God. He it is that fighteth for you as he hath promised you. Verse 11, take good heed thereto, therefore unto yourselves that ye love the Lord your God. Else if you do in any wise go back and cleave unto the remnant of these nations even these that remain among you and shall make marriages with them and go into them and they to you. Let's pause for a brief word of prayer. Father, I need you every hour 
and every hour we need you. So bless us now, our God and Savior, as we come to your word and hear this brief meditation and come to you in earnest, fervent prayer for revival. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe most of us have probably uh, driven at a time where there was a horrendous downpour of rain, uh, or perhaps uh, even in a blizzard, or a very heavy fog late at night, when we exercised uh, an extra level of vigilance and alertness and awareness. As we come to Joshua chapter 22, 23, and 24, that is really the theme of Joshua's three closing sermons. In chapters one through four, the children of Israel enter the promised land. In verses or chapters five through 12, they actually uh, take the land. In chapter 13 through 18, they are beginning now to possess that land, 13 through 21. And the last three chapters of this marvelous book about how God fought for Israel uh, really reflect three times when, is, when, when Joshua gathered Israel for a solemn assembly and charged them to remain vigilant and continue their faithfulness to God. In chapter 22, or chapter 21 at the very end, we see more or less Joshua rehearsing God's fidelity to his people, his faithfulness to them. And now he is turning the tables and beginning to remind them that they must remain faithful to God. Chapters 22 through 24 in Joshua are to the rest of the book, much like Romans 12 is to Romans 111, where there is great doctrine and great history laid out. And then there is the therefore, or as the book of Ephesians, Ephesians hangs on the, the hinge of Ephesians 4.1, where after explaining great doctrine verse, in chapters one through three, we read, therefore, brothers, walk worthy of the calling to which you have received. Joshua has anticipated God's help in verses one through five of this chapter. And now he is laying out some conditions for God's continued help. God will be faithful to them, but for him to remain faithful in blessing them, they must also be faithful to him. So he gives two uh, exhortations and two motivations. He reminds them to do certain things because of what God has done and because of what God will do. We are to remain faithful. Joshua lays out four requirements for faithfulness, and I just have time to give these to you very briefly. And so uh, I will give them to you all at once, um, and then um, we will go from there. Can you still hear me? Hello? Yes, yes I can hear you. Yes, oh, yes, okay. we can hear you. Okay, fine. Everything yep. seems frozen on my screen, so I was just checking. Well, it's um, cold. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so these four words, attention, 
Continuing faithfulness requires attention. It requires avoidance. It requires attachment. And it requires affection. So I will go through these quickly. It requires attention. Verse 6, be therefore very courageous or be very strong. Sounds like Joshua 1. In order to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that you turn not aside therefrom, from the right hand or to the left. Joshua is exhorting us to be faithful in hearing and doing the word of God, to take heed how we listen, to take heed even if we think that we are standing, we are to take heed lest we fall. Oh, how easy it is, even for people who are praying for revival and awakening, to veer off to the right or to the left. And how how easy it is to become distracted in this age of information overload. Um, so easy to become distracted from our main goal, our main purpose. So easy to become like Martha. So easy to neglect that one thing. And the truth of the matter is, the busier our lives get, the more we need to slow down and spend time with God in prayer and in the word. The elders throughout the New Testament are exhorted to take heed unto yourselves into the flock, to give themselves and give attention to the word and to prayer, to take heed unto themselves and unto the doctrine and continue in them and to meditate upon these things. So continuing faithfulness requires attention. Secondly, it requires avoidance. Avoidance. We, we are to be separate from some things, even as Second Corinthians says, be separate and come out from among them and do not be unequally yoked. Verse seven, after he says, do not turn aside from the right or to the left. He says uh, that you come not among the nations. These that remain among you make mention of the name of their gods or cause to swear by them or serve them or bow yourselves unto them. I think there's a connection between avoidance and attention. By that, I mean the way to avoid being shaped by pagan culture, by being conformed to the, wor- to the world, is by keeping the word and doing the word and giving ourselves to the word. That is the means by which we are not uh, swayed by vain philosophies and empty speculations, as Colossians 2 talks about. To be avoiding of pagan culture uh, does take discernment. It does take separation. It's difficult at times. It's agonizing at times. And we want to avoid the ditch of either being way too lax or being too legalistic. But we are not to be conformed. The third word is attachment. Attachment. I love this. But cleave unto the Lord your God as you've done unto this day. Cleave unto the Lord your God. It's the exact same word in the Hebrew that's used of the one flesh relationship where a husband and a wife uh, are to uh, leave father and mother and uh, cleave, uh, the, the husband cleave unto his wife, it says. Some of you have had the experience like me where you thought that after a few minutes you might need to have your hand amputated or your leg amputated when one of your small children, uh, either in fear or for some other reason, just 
uh, cleaved unto you, uh, and they, they squeezed so hard you wondered if you had any blood circulating any longer. Um, well, that's the, the, the theme here, that we need to stay close to God and hold on to him, to cling to his promises, to trust his word, to seek his favor, to rest in his care, and to praise him on our lips. So what does continuing faithfulness require? First of all, it, um, it requires that attention, then avoidance, attachment, number three, and finally affection. We drop down to verse 11 after he gives some motivation for the first three points. Verse 11, he talks to them saying, take good heed therefore unto yourselves that ye love the Lord your God. God is holding on to you, he says. Now you have a deep and abiding affection for God. Just like that old song says, I am his and he is mine. And what Joshua is commanding is what we find repeatedly throughout the law, as well as in Jesus's words, to love the Lord your God, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. Joshua urged, exhorted, beseeched the people of God to do these four things on a regular basis. This last point of affection reminds me of Jesus's words to Peter. Lovest thou me? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me more than these? May it not be said of us that we become like Demas who loved this present world and uh, turned away from his commitment and his fidelity to God. Love the Lord your God. One English pastor said of this text, and especially of verse 11, if I could choose the subject for the last sermon I ever preached, this would be my text. I'm quite sure that if the saints of God of past generations could speak in the light of what they have seen of eternity, and in the light of what they know of heaven and hell, they would say only these words to us all, take heed to love. For the greatest safeguard against carelessness of walk and prayerlessness of spirit and coldness of heart is love. That which lifts the life of the Christian and of the church to a new level of fullness of experience, the greatest factor for revival in the church today is the love of our hearts for God filled with the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless this meditation and may we engage in continuing faithfulness to our great God. Amen.